Welcome to Red Couch Manx. I'm Vivek Jacob, joined by Carl Mascarenas, and today we are breaking down Manchester United's 1-0 win over West Ham. A 53rd-minute own goal by Craig Dawson, enough to seal the three points. Carl, a big three points when you consider that Leicester defeated Sheffield United 5-0, so they had temporarily moved up into second place. They also got their goal difference up. You look at Chelsea's form since Thomas Tuchel has been manager. And the fact that West Ham themselves have been fifth, a big three points. Most definitely, Vivek. You know, some of the chasing pack, all of them dropped points. Chelsea was one team that I was getting a little nervous about because they were on a really, really good run and they were bridging the gap to us. And so their draw with Leeds, we're able to extend our lead on them by a couple of points. So all in all, we got the business done. It wasn't the most prettiest win, but... At this stage of the season, the three points is all that matters. Yeah, exactly. I mean, at this stage of the season, you're looking at nine games remaining and United have a bit of a cushion on fourth place Chelsea, six points. Obviously, it's not huge, but it's notable. And the reason I look more at Chelsea at fourth place than West Ham in fifth, obviously the top four go to the Champions League, but I've always been of the perspective of you want to avoid those qualification games if you can. And that's only for the top three. So I look at that fourth place at Chelsea and say, okay, maintain that lead over them, keep the pressure on them, uh, make them feel that the fourth is all that they can be happy with. Because as we see, Leicester maintaining great form as well. Yeah, not to mention Chelsea, actually, they have a very, very favorable fixture list that's coming up. And you would expect them to pick up maximum points in most of those games they are fighting one or two relegation battling teams and you know at this stage of the season those are probably the hardest games to play in because they're playing for everything on the line so yes I think making sure we keep that cushion alive the last thing we need is to have these distractions in the league and that affecting our other cup competitions yeah, as you mentioned, I mean, Chelsea, they've got Sheffield United in the FA Cup, but then they've got WBA in the Premier League. They've got Crystal Palace, Brighton. And it's not until the 24th of April that they have what seems like another tough fixture in West Ham. That'll be a spicy one. I can't wait for that one. <laughs> London game, you know, both fighting for that last spot. That's a spicy one for sure. Yeah. Now... For this match, United, typical as you expect, 4-2-3-1. No major surprises in the lineup. If anything, Marcus Rashford, seeing him healthy and making a return to the side was a big one. The West Ham side of things, I was surprised to see them go as defensive as they did. The 3-5-2 formation, I mean, you look at the way they were set up during the game, it was even more defensive than that. Where do you stand on being that defensive for a side that has been fifth, that has played good football uh, on several occasions this season? Obviously, they don't have Jesse Lingard uh, unavailable because of the deal between United and West Ham. But you look at Antonio's form, you look at someone like Aaron Cresswell, who has been bombing down that left side for them and delivering cross after cross. Pretty sure he leads uh, the Premier League in assists for defenders. He was completely taken out of it by his own manager uh, in that three-back formation where he's all the way behind Ben Johnson as well. 
It doesn't surprise me, to be honest, Vivek. I think the way David Moyes has handled the team is very similar to his Everton days where, hey, if you're playing against the top sides, I'm going for a point because that's all I need. And then I can beat the teams that are below me in the table. And that way, we're going to have a very good season. That's one of the reasons why it didn't work out at Manchester United is because you have to have a completely different mentality when you are one of the big teams. And it, mm-hmm. it looks like uh, West Ham is still trying to figure that out because in seasons gone by, they've more been challenging at the wrong end of the table. And so this is a, a nice season for them. And they actually need to make sure they don't fall into that trap of, hey, you know, we've overachieved. Anything we do at this point is gravy. And, you know, with a couple of losses, that can very easily become the attitude. And with David Moyes, he was asked in the press conference as well, like, is there anything you'd have changed in hindsight? And he said, no. So he's clearly, he, he just came, he set his side out for a point. Uh, I think you were being a little favorable to them when you said they were a back three. They, they, they looked like they were playing a back five for, for most of that game until <laughs> United scored. And then the attacking changes came on. They looked like a different team. With Ben Rama, uh, Lanzini, uh, and then you could see, you could really see now that Declan Rice had uh, more of attacking intent and was given the license. You could see what he's all about and how he can spray that ball around. He would fit very nicely into this Manchester United team, if I do say so myself. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get into all of that, those first twenty-ish minutes, United did struggle to break down West Ham. The creativity didn't seem to be there. Obviously, predominantly trying to come down that left side as United have favored over the course of the season, just that connection that Luke Shaw and Marcus Rashford have. What were maybe some of the issues uh, that you saw? And then, frankly, after that 20-ish so minute mark, beginning with that Marcus Rashford header that we can get into, they really seem to come in their own. What do you think changed? I think United had a bit of a hangover from that last-minute equalizer in the AC Milan game. And mm. it kind of took it took their toll. Because, I mean, this is the third time we're playing West Ham this season. We also play them in the Cup. So there should be no surprises in terms of what they're going to offer. And it was exactly what was expected. They played extremely compact. They gave us the wings and said, hey, you can try and attack us. We've got the height. We should be able to clear most things, so we're not worried about your crossing. And not to mention that you guys aren't the best headers of the ball either. And uh, that was proven to be true when Marcus Rashford had a guilt-edged opportunity where he headed wide. I was very, very, very happy with the way Mason Greenwood played today. You could see that it was different. He was in. I don't know what he had. Hey, 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 hey. We're not going to skip over this Marcus Rashford header, okay? I know that. <laughs> I know that's become the norm. I know you're making uh, comparisons to him and young Wayne Rooney, but we're not just going to gloss over that. I mean, 25th minute, as you mentioned, Greenwood looking great in this match, sends in a perfect cross on a platter for Rashford to, at a bare minimum, test Fabianski, and he heads it wide. What, what what do you see with Rashford? Maybe just specifically looking at this header, what, what, are the, what were the issues that made him screw it up so badly. I think that the ball... So Mason Greenwood crossed it in with his left foot. So it's curving away from him and curving towards the goal. And Marcus Rashford was trying to head it into the the far post, or sorry, the post nearest to him, right? So he had to go more of a glancing header. That is not an easy skill to have, even if you are good at heading the ball. 
Marcus mm-hmm. is not one of those. And w- all he had to do was he had to head the ball back from where it came. And that way... He had to meet it square. He had to meet it square. And that way, because you're just heading it back, you don't need to generate power. It looked like Marcus cranked his neck back to generate power, which was unneeded. And I think he basically got everything wrong about that header. He went in the wrong direction. He tried to, you know, go for this fancy finish instead of just heading it back. And you saw that actually earlier in the day today when uh, Tottenham played Arsenal where Harry Kane had the ball in the back of the net. And he headed it right back from where the ball came. And Bernd Leno had no chance. He couldn't even dive. That's exactly what Marcus has to do in this instance. And he didn't. Yep. Yeah, I think Leno was just fortunate that that was called back for offside. But Rashford, obviously onside in that moment. But now we can move on to Mason Greenwood. We, we mentioned the cross that he put in and you put in the chat that he's looking more and more like Mason Van Greenwood. We've made that Van Persie comparison before. Just the, that silkiness with his moves, the confidence, you know, there was the cutback that he had that almost fell to uh, Daniel James in the 30th minute where he had a bit of work to do on that left side got past his man, got to the byline, cut it back. And Fabianski, I mean, I think we're going to talk a lot about Fabianski because if not for him, the score sheet would have looked a lot different. And then 37th minute, there was a counter from United. Fred gets the ball in United's own half, plays a sharp pass down the center of the pitch to Bruno. Bruno then tees up Greenwood and he lines up that left foot, lines up the corner, uh, the left corner, Fabianski's right. Fabianski, I thought that was a terrific touch save to get it onto the post and out. Yeah, let's talk about Mason Greenwood, especially you know in that number nine role. I think that what set him apart from his previous games was his body movement. There were times where he was getting the ball and he was offering a nice little shimmy and all that that's all that was needed because the defender would just have a half step in the wrong direction and Greenwood's gone. He made that turn look really good today. And I think this was only due to the fact that West Ham, yes, they were playing compact, but they were not playing on him, which means he, they were allowing him to at least receive the ball. And once he receives the ball, he's a completely different player from a player that's getting, you know, hounded to even get that first touch where he, you can see, he did that a couple of times in the game today where he gave it away. And... That's definitely something that Mason has to learn when his back is towards goal. But I thought he definitely took steps in the right direction where he had the intent to just turn and go towards the goal and try to make something happen. This was one of those games where because it's so compact, you had to run at the defender, play a quick one-two, which he did with Bruno, and that was opening up space. And all Mason needs is a little bit of time on his left foot and he's going to curl that in. And he actually couldn't believe when he didn't score from that Fabianski save that you were talking about because he did everything right in that move. You mentioned how compact West Ham were. What did you make of the interchangeability between Rashford, Greenwood, and James? Because there were times where we saw James on the left. There were times where we saw Greenwood on the right. We saw Rashford centrally, even a little bit on the right. What did you make of that? And what kind of problems do you think that posed? I was, I mean, I was very impressed with the, everything on the left-hand side. You could see Luke Shaw seems to have a connection with each one of those players, whether it was Greenwood, James, or Rashford. 
and it was very smooth, very crisp. They were playing those triangles in those tight spaces, and it worked really well. As soon as you came to the right-hand side, and I was watching this closely because at first I was a little disappointed with James, but then when you look at it a little bit further, Aaron Wan-Bissaka, when he gets down that right-hand side, he's actually pretty clueless when he gets the ball because he doesn't know when to go out right to James or go in to Greenwood. And his delay allowed West Ham to set up. And then he always had to go back to Fred or back to Bruno. Whereas when you see when Shaw gets the ball, he knows exactly what to do. Even though it might not be the right thing, he makes a decision extremely quickly. Which means that if it works out, our player is now in behind. And that's why you saw so many times we were in behind the West Ham back line on the left-hand side, not so much on the right-hand side. And so I think that's one critical part of and one Basaka's game where he's got to just have a little bit more confidence and make a decision. Don't sit on the fence. Don't doubt yourself. Because as soon as you doubt yourself, you lose the time and space and then players have to reset. And you could see some of the frustration from some of the players, Bruno, where passes just needed to go in first time and they weren't. And I think that's all coming about as a result of Aaron Juan Basaka not knowing what he's supposed to do in that role. I was even thinking to myself, Vivek, you know, the way... Diego Dallo played against us when he was playing for AC Milan, he would have been perfect in this game because they were giving us the space in the wings and he's a guy who can whip across in or he knows he has that attacking mindset IQ. What did you think of how... Uh, do you agree with what I'm talking about or do you have a different opinion? No, I agree with you. The only thing I would add to that is the problem is compounded because... McTominay doesn't present as much of an attacking threat either. And I thought there were several times where whether it was Juan Bissaka who got into the final third on that right side or Greenwood or James, when they would cut it back to Scott who was in space, he wouldn't put a cross in or he wouldn't advance the play. And I think that is a problem because... How many times in the past with United have you seen where that defender, whether it be Gary Neville or Antonio Valencia or Rafael, where they overlap and they're able to attract that attention. And now when the ball is pulled back, you have to be able to put that cross in right away. And that wasn't happening. And so I think, again, teams are going to leave Scott open because that is their expectation. And so they're able to put that pressure on that right side. They're able to focus in on that. And they say, okay, we'll deal with the problem when it goes back outside. But to Scott or whoever is there. And so I think that, you know, you combine the deficiencies of both Scott and Erwan Bissaka's attacking games. And that's where you see United resorting to the left side as much as they do. Now, going into the second half, as we mentioned United had a lot of momentum since the 25th minute mark. There was a a ball that came across the box and it looked like it was ready for Marcus Rashford to ram home. Clutch touch to get it out, but it just goes for a corner. (laughs) And the resulting corner, Bruno puts it in. Own goal by Craig Dawson, near post. Scott McTominay tried to take the credit for a little bit, (laughs) but uh, in the end, you know, the the replays aren't going to let him get away with that one. You know what? Uh, we had a couple of corners in the first half where I thought Luke Shaw was pretty poor from the corners. Mm. You could see Maguire, Scott, Lindelof all queuing up at the near post. And and Shaw wasn't able to beat the first man or get the cross high enough so that they could make a run. 
And then you saw second half Bruno took those corners and he put one right in the area where it needed to go. And I don't think Craig Dawson was expecting it to come all the way to him. He thought that somebody else was going to head it. I thought Harry Maguire did a good job putting him off as well because he was pushing him and wrestling him a little bit. Everything that was fair. But I think that a combination of all these things resulted in the ball being in the back of the net. And I want to say it was a, definitely fortuitous. However, you make your own luck sometimes. And I thought United were deserving of that goal. Yeah, I'm totally with you on that. Again, the momentum that uh, they had since the first, uh, after the first 20 or so minutes. And then shortly after that 60th minute, they, they were continuing to pour it on, trying to get that second goal. Ball comes back to Bruno on the edge of the box and he lines up a drive. That Fabianski again gets his fingertips onto. Noisy neighbor, I think, is pretty straightforward for me because if it weren't for Fabianski, the score is much different. He had a great game, kept United at bay, and kept West Ham in the match until the very end. I agree with you. I was initially thinking of giving it to Declan Rice because he he did a really good job of shielding his back line and also marking Bruno Fernandes at the same time. But you are right. If it wasn't for Fabianski, this game would have been out of sight much earlier. And then the last 30 minutes would have had a completely different complexion. So no no, no arguments from me on Fabianski. I thought he did a fantastic job. Yeah, you mentioned making your own luck. He might have made his own luck in that 77th minute where Greenwood was coming down that left side and whacked it against his right post. Sometimes you get that luck, right? You make a couple of great saves and all of a sudden it's the uh, the sitter that goes wide. I wonder what Greenwood's thinking play. about for his luck because he's uh, he did all the right things today and he still couldn't put one in the back of the net, hitting the post twice. I mean, you knew there was going to be a bit of a regression from last season just in terms of the stats. Like his expected goals, like the rate at which he was producing goals was just insane. And you expected there to be some kind of drop-off, but you feel for him because he was deserving of at least a couple goals in this one. And he's got nothing to show for it. A great performance. Overall, I don't know who else you would put in line to maybe compete for him for that Canton Collar. Uh, award. I think Harry Maguire had a bunch of interceptions, especially when you look at the knock he took early and looked groggy. I mean, this guy, there's no way to keep him off the pitch. He's out there playing every minute, every chance he gets until Sol- uh, Solshire actually says, hey, you are not in the starting lineup. He's doing everything he can to lead from the front. He's definitely a throwback to uh, some <laughs> of the players in the past where despite all the bumps and bruises he's still out there i'm sure he's not 100 percent, but that's not going to stop him he he blocked so many things any cross that was coming in he seemed to be on the end of it and if he wasn't he was throwing someone off by blocking a thing so harry Maguire was a very very close second but i i gotta give it to mason greenwood because uh i was actually very frustrated with his last three or four games and the next time i was on the podcast i was gonna mention you know what, maybe, you know, we're tough on Martial and not tough on Greenwood. And I was going to I was gonna lay into him a little bit, but I, I think he knew that was coming. And man, he put in a performance today. There's nothing I can say to to, <laughs> to lay into him. The, maybe the only thing I can say is because I've noticed this a couple of times now. Dan James is really good at crossing into that corridor of uncertainty. 
And I just don't think our players are gambling enough. Uh, Greenwood should be gambling. He should be running into that near post. You're not always going to get the cutback. And same thing with Rashford. But apart from that, yeah, Greenwood for me for the Cantona caller. The one thing I do find funny is the fact that all those players, all those attacking players seem to love the cutback. But every time they are in a position to cross the ball, <laughs> they are drilling it into the corridor of uncertainty. And it's someone else who's saying, hey, why didn't you cut it back? Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good point, Vivek. It's, uh, it's the irony. So Cantona caller, we wrap that one up. Beckham Boot, I mean, it's hard to say that there was really a bad performer on the United side. Again, outside of those first 20 or so minutes, I thought this was a strong performance from United, uh, especially with the way West Ham were set out to play. They could have won 3-0 today, and I thought United would have been absolutely deserving of it. But is there anyone that you have in mind? For me, I've thought about this. I think... I don't think it was a bad performance, but if I were to give the Beckham boot to anybody, it would be Marcus Rashford. I can't, I think, you know, yeah, that header that he missed, uh, you, you got to put those things away because this, this game could have easily been a nil-nil game again where we're dropping points. You got to be more clinical than that. And you are no longer this young kid in the team. You're one of the leaders in this team. And this is where you need to pull the team up sometimes. And then apart from that, I thought he held on to the ball too long a couple of instances where Luke Shaw is just saying, like, hey, give it to me. I'm in space. And Marcus just wouldn't yep. do it. So mm-hmm. these small things, I'm being very nitpicky right now. Uh, that's that's who I would give it to if if we had to give a boot to anybody. Yeah, I think if we had to give it to a United player, that's fair enough. I didn't, for me personally, I don't, I don't think the United performance was bad enough where I'm like, hey, I want to lay into one of these guys. So that's why when I look at West Ham's approach to this match, I think they approached it like they were playing Man City. To your point, they, they're looking at it like they need, you know, the points. Uh, they need, you know, to just to get one point and secure the three points against the lower teams. But when I look at United's home form all season, when I look at the fact that United are the ones that have struggled for goals at Old Trafford, there's opportunity there. And when you see the difference in the way they were able to play after they were forced to make changes and forced to try and get something out of it after falling a goal behind and Cresswell coming into the match after both Lanzini and Ben Rama came on. I think that shows that David Moyes missed a trick. If those two had come on and West Ham still struggled to get into the match. Yeah. United had a couple of chances to score, but I think you you were just asking for trouble and you were just asking it, it, like from the 25th minute onwards it only looked like there was going to be one team that scored. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it just seemed like the way the United chances were coming it just seemed like a matter of time before United scored. And he could have done something to prevent that. And so yeah, for me I would rather give it to someone from West Ham than United just because of the overall performance, but I can see how if we had to give it to a United player that Rashford is the one. Now, I wouldn't mind getting into a bit of a conversation here about a topic that you brought up that I thought was pretty interesting. And you're basically asking about Rashford right now at 23 versus Wayne Rooney mm-hmm. at 23. Yeah. Is there is there a reason that came to your mind? Because uh, I know mainly when we look at comparisons, we look at Ronaldo, right? Yeah. And I think it's fair to say 
Rashford right now is probably reminiscent of Ronaldo when I was about to say Ronaldo. <laughs> uh, Ronaldo, you know, that the first couple seasons at the club where it was a lot of trickery, but maybe not enough end product. And then obviously we saw the strides that were made <laughs> in, in cleaning that up pretty quick. Yeah, so Vivek, I guess where that was coming from was... I am a little frustrated because we always have these conversations about, oh, yeah, we, we've got a young team. They're going to be good one day. And we almost give the benefit of the doubt. Whereas, you know, you look at Wayne Rooney when he burst onto the scene. He was just like a professional from from the get-go. I mean, not only did he look like a man when he was 16 and could, mm-hmm. you know, tough it out against the big boys, but... He was a youngster learning his trade, but he was still clinical. He was good with his head. He was good with his left foot, his right foot. I mean, Champions League debut, scoring a hat trick. And then yeah. you saw the way Marcus Rashford also burst onto the scene against, you know, Midtjylland and then against Arsenal in the league, where he scored a header, by the way. Um, and then I, goal against Liverpool. Goal against Liverpool, goal against Man City where he skinned, I think it was Demi Kalis, uh, and <laughs> probably put him into retirement. So he had all these things, and I just feel like, you know what, Wayne Rooney just seemed to elevate as he kept taking the next step. He, st- he just kept going up. Whereas I feel like Rashford went up, but is almost plateauing a little bit. And my source of frustration was just, uh, I expect greater things from him. I know he's going to be a great player. But I expect him to bury certain chances that he just doesn't do a good job of. And I was like, hey, you know what? When Rooney was that age, we never had those kind of complaints of him, did we? No, no. And I think you hit the nail on the head about, we talk about Ronaldo being left foot, right foot header. Rooney was the same way. Left foot, right foot header. He he knew what to do with it. And he had different types of finishes in his bag, right? Like we've seen those thunderous volleys. We've seen those curling uh, shots. So... He had every type of finish. And he could also see the pass, right? His head was always up. That's where his footballing IQ, I think, is just right now levels above uh, Marcus Rashford, right? And I think in some ways that was a detriment to Rooney because I think he knew how smart he was and he thought he could just get away with Mm -hmm. not putting in the work uh, outside of game time the way Ronaldo did and has been able to... I mean, Ronaldo just scored a hat-trick today. Left foot, right foot, and a header. Just to further emphasize the point. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that illustrates it right there. The fact that Rashford, unless it's on his right, I have no confidence in him scoring a goal. That shows the biggest area that he needs to focus on right now. And as you said, in terms of the recognizing when other teammates are open, when they're in a better position to succeed than himself, and frankly, recognizing that if he can just lay the ball off and make a run, he might put himself into a better position to score. So little things like that, uh, I think, will come with experience, hopefully. And it's going to be very interesting, I'll say this, to see what player he is at 25-26. I think that will be uh, a tell-all sign. Because if he doesn't have at least an average header by then, and at least a left foot that he can go to by then, then I, would, I wouldn't anticipate much growth from that point on. I think that's a, that's a very good point. I think the offseason will be telling to see what he improves on. 
I think also with COVID playing a factor where the offseason is barely anything, it's hard for a player to to work on his craft. He's just trying to manage his body at this point to not get injured. So that's one thing that's been unfortunate with some of these players is that they aren't getting the time to work on their craft just because of the condensed nature. And then you're heading into the mm-hmm. Euros, which means that he's not going to get a lot of time again. Yep. And the last the last point I'll make just in defense of Rashford is he has not been surrounded by the wealth of talent that Rooney was surrounded with, right? And I think across the pitch, when you have a certain standard to live up to, or you're just not going to play, I think that can drive you. That's a great a point. Tremendous amount as That's well. That's a great point. He, Rooney was allowed to develop at his own pace. Mind you, his pace was pretty fast because of all the experience around him. Whereas Marcus Rashford, he, even though he's developing, there's a big weight on his shoulders from a young age. He doesn't have a Giggs or a Scholes or a Carrick to lean on because the whole squad is so young. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. Now, we've talked about uh, the finishing boots. United are going to need their finishing boots when they go to the San Siro against AC Milan. I think we can preview that match now. Thursday night football. What do you expect out of this fixture? United, I, I think, you know, have to set the tempo, needing that away goal. Do you think they can afford to ease into this one, especially after the way AC Milan, I will say, for the most part, did boss that first leg? I I think United have to come out of the blocks very quickly. AC Milan most likely will get some of their stars back for this game. And they're going to be a completely different proposition to take care of. And United have to be clinical. If they sit back and say, okay, fine, let's you know play out the first 30 minutes and then work our way into the game, you could be in trouble. You saw what happened against Red Bull, where they were asleep for the first 15, 20 minutes and absolutely got demolished. They were down 2-0 in no time, and they left themselves a mountain to to climb back up. And you can't afford to have this against this AC Milan team who are very well coached, well drilled, and they got players who are not afraid to, to, to have some bite in the tackle. And I think United have to show that on Thursday. Not be afraid of the situation. Set the tempo earlier on. You know, a couple of hard, tough fouls to let AC Milan know they're in a game. And I'm sure they'll have no problem rolling around, but that's what you got to do. <laughs> Let's get into the lineups then. If I'm being honest, this is a big fixture. I think, especially narrative-wise, if you can pull off a win against AC Milan, a storied club like them, away from home and move on to the quarterfinals of Europa, I think it sets the table nicely for Solskjaer. In those situations, we've seen him revert to the tried and tested cup competition. I expect him to go with Henderson and goal. But the back four, I'd be surprised if we saw a change from the four that we saw in this West Ham fixture. Wan-Bissaka, Lindelof, Maguire, and Luke Shaw. Do you think Baye gets a look in? I, I contemplated it, Vivek, but I think you made a good point offline where... I mean, United's got another big fixture after Milan with Leicester in the FA Cup. And Eric Bailly has played well against Leicester. And Jamie Vardy is obviously very quick. And so I won't be surprised if Solskjaer is probably saying, hey, Victor, you play two games, get a rest. Bailly comes in for that FA Cup fixture. So I think Bailly is going to be for that fixture. But he's Lindelof for this one. I agree with you. In the midfield, when Solskjaer needs someone to depend on, it's it's Fred and Scott that we see. 
Do you do you anticipate anything changing there? I think you'll you'll still see Fred and Scott. Matic, he he did an okay job against Milan in the first leg, but I just think that you got to have that energy in midfield because I know AC Milan's going to bring it. So Fred and Scott in midfield for me. Honestly, with the team that we we're going to see in Milan, it's going to be the same team that we saw today. Uh, the, <laughs> the only change Vivek is is going to be is if Martial is fit or not because I can see Martial coming into this lineup, right? Or Cavani. Or Cavani for that point, yeah. And then the yeah. person making way is probably going to be Daniel James. Yeah, yeah. Quickly, I think we can touch on Daniel James. I thought he did a good job tracking back when he needed to. But from an t- attacking sense, I thought he struggled in this one. A couple of times he did make good runs. Uh, you know, you mentioned sort of gambling and getting into that corridor of uncertainty. Greenwood could do more of that. Daniel James did do that a couple of times and could have got on the end of uh, some crosses. But outside of that, you know, especially I, I think back to that 74th minute where he, where we saw the good and the bad. I thought that summed up his performance entirely mm-hmm. where he makes the interception and then he's leading the counter. And instead of catching Bruno in stride, he makes Bruno go behind to get the ball. And by then the counter is blown. Yeah, United had a couple of those instances. They were very, very uh, rusty when it came to their counterattacking game because passes were not going to the player on, in stride. They're always behind or a little too far, and that's where they mm-hmm. broke down. And you know, that's that's our bread and butter, right? That's where we we've made a living and made our name of just having lethal counterattacks. So I hope that's back in play for the Milan game. How are you feeling about this fixture? Do you do you feel like that? that away goal right at the end is going to prove costly? Or do you feel like United's away run is going to continue and they're going to be able to put in a performance? I'm surprisingly confident of this game. I think the fact that United do not have to win the Europa League to get back in the Champions League is it takes a bit of the pressure off because we're, we're doing well in the league in second place. And I think United are very calm and assured when they're away from home. I think they'll bring that mojo with them to Milan, knowing that they're they're worth the goal. And so, uh, it it all depends on how open Milan want to be. That's that's gonna mm-hmm. and it, it doesn't look like Milan's a team that just like to sit back and are gonna play for nil nil. So that makes it even more interesting. Yeah, I, th- I think they'll know that they can't afford to do that. Hopefully United can get the result because we've got a special guest that will be with us for that episode and I'm sure he will have a whole lot of smack talking to do if AC pull off the result. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. A reminder, we are on Twitter and Instagram at RedCouchManx. If you enjoy the show, please go ahead and hit that subscribe button and join us after every match. Reviews and ratings are greatly appreciated as well as all your interactions with us on social media. On behalf of Carl and myself, thank you for listening to Red Couch Manx.